Uh, today is Thursday, July 29th, the year of our Lord, 2021, and this is the Friendship News Hour presented to you by Bummer Dude Media. Um, my name is Frank Huerta, and his name is Alex Kenzie. What's up, Alex? Hello. What's going on, man? About to start a vacation, man. Very excited. Heading up to ah, nice. uh, northern Wisconsin to, uh, it's called Door County, Wisconsin. We're staying uh specifically on Sturgeon Bay. But the plan is to put my phone into the car as soon as I park and leave it there until Sunday. Nice. So I'm very it's excited. Great. It's a great yes. time. On Wisconsin, um, <laughs> I'm looking up your place right now. It looks really neat. It's pretty pretty special, man. You're kind of like on that peninsula of uh, Wisconsin that like extends out into like Michigan. So we stay on the bay side. But then we'll, you know, drive north and you go up to like Peninsula State Park and you're like right there, like Michigan's right there. Um, you're like an hour north of Green Bay. It's 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 beautiful, man. It it is uh wildlife abound. Yeah, here you go, pulling it up on the screen. Uh wildlife abound, man, and it's just, you know, not too much light pollution, so at night stars are just everywhere. Um it, it's kinda insane to see compared to like here. Um and yeah, we, we go every year with the family and it's always always just like a, a good time, good kind of brain reset, just kind of, you know, taking that break from the normal world. So I'm very excited. That's dope, man. How did you guys find Sturgeon Bay of all places? Uh, Dude, we've been going there for like nine years now. Um, we oh, just, nice. her, her brother, Sarah's brother is, is a big outdoorsy kind of guy. And uh, we used to, this kind of used to be like more of like a, us, like me and Sarah, her brother, his fiance at the time, her girlfriend even, um, and like her her sister and, and boyfriend and and we just go up there and kind of party and just like make make it a uh, like a party weekend. You know, I was a young strapping lad, but as the years have progressed, um, it's kind of turned more. Like we invited Sarah's family and now my like her her parents, my parent, my mom comes, my sister's coming kind of turned more into like a family thing as they've you know have we add kids and stuff to the whole mix so that's what's up that sounds yeah, like excited, a man. blast man there's some solid golf uh, up there as well so i will be partaking yeah it looks like it nice and lush you can bring your clubs oh yeah oh yeah is this lake michigan lake michigan would be on the right that big thing like the bay on the right is green like green bay that goes all that's the way to like green bay and that's michigan lake michigan okay nice yep and where it kind of comes in the cove where that red dot was was like sturgeon bay that's where we stay cool man yeah uh, it's, it's god's country up there i stayed actually right over here once at traverse city michigan oh, um yeah. I got to imagine similar landscape and it's right on Lake Michigan too. It's dude, it's gorgeous. I I went in 2013 and like, it's been my goal to get back. Yeah, man. It's the UP upper Wisconsin. Like it, it's all just like, it's, it's hard to like describe without ever being there. Like to someone that hasn't been there, but like just like a, a wildlife Mecca, I guess. Like, it's just like, so in the cut, you can still, you know, there's still like shit like target and like, you can still get the basic stuff you need, but like, it, you're so removed from like, especially when I'm coming from like a city, like you're just so removed from that, which is beautiful. I love it. Um, and it's just outdoorsy, man. I just love being out there. I, 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 I agree. Those lake towns are really like cute, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I, Traverse city's kind of like that. And it's got a couple other cities around it where it's just like small population. Some people just have cottages there for the summer, mm-hmm. just real chill. My sister lives on a small lake town on, on a great lake. She's mm. in Ontario, upstate New York. There's a little town Ooh. called Sackett's Harbor. Okay. Never never heard of, but awesome, I can imagine. Dude. You would never beautiful. would. There would yeah. be no reason for you to. But um, just like nobody before this probably had heard of Sturgeon Bay. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, man, gorgeous right on the lake. It's a you know small town. You have to drive like 20 minutes. <laughs> to go to like a grocery store but they yeah. have like restaurants in town little shops little boutiques shops things like that and it's just cool man it's is she close cool. to niagara falls at all i gotta imagine she's not terribly far so she's okay. closer to syracuse um and yeah, far, niagara then. falls is buffalo i think all right i think you're i think you're right yeah you ever been i've always wanted to see that no dude i've always wanted to go see it man really I, I just think it'd be cool. It'd be like the Grand Canyon. It'd be like cool to see. Not like yeah. it's not like super high on my list, but like if I'm ever in the area, like I don't think I would drive 
from here to go see Niagara Falls. But if I'm like in, you know, New York or yeah. Pennsylvania, like I wouldn't mind taking a four or five hour drive to like go do that. To go see it. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like probably like a solid three hour drive. Yeah. Four hour That's drive. Not terrible. Yeah. Not awful. Not at all. Switching gears. There's been a fair amount of talk about Simone Biles. Did you hear about her dropping out? Yeah, man. It's, uh, I don't know all the details, but at first I had heard it was an injury, but upon more time passing, I found it sounds like it was like a mental health kind of thing. Yeah. She just had like a mental block, you know? That's so interesting. Someone Isn't was, it, was reading something it, that said it's like something to do where she's getting really frustrated because she's so far ahead of all the other gymnasts participating and she feels like she's getting scored unfairly. So that like these scores are at least close, and I th- uh, I think there was like some frustration with judges. I I don't know gymnastics like that at all. So this is just me reading about it, but that would be frustrating. Yeah, I mean, it was a team portion. She took a a stumble, and I think I think that she and her teammates had kind of sensed it as this was nearing this competition, and um. So I think after she did her first, it was a, it was a, a, a vault. They were doing the, the, the vault like you, I don't know very much about gymnastics, but, um, yeah, she's like the best in the world at this and she like screwed up and I guess it's like kind of been like a long time coming. So she just kind of checked out she said that she wasn't a hundred percent and you need to be a hundred percent. Um, and so she didn't think that she was going to be doing her team any favors. And so she stepped away. Seems like you're doing the exact opposite. Like you could say that, but it seems like even if the best gymnast in the world's at 80%, like it's better than you not being there. I would agree with team that. And your I would agree with that 100%. If you're in the finals and you have LeBron James and he's at 50%, do you start him at 50%? Yes. He's the king. Um, it's, it's really weird though. Like you're seeing a lot more of like mental health starting to play into these things like Naomi Osaka. She dropped out of the French open a couple months ago and then mm-hmm. didn't participate in Wimbledon for, for the same thing. And it's like, you don't, I never want to like discredit or say anything negative against mental health. Cause it, it's, it's a struggle or something that I don't really understand is not having any kind of like mental health issues. So I, I can't like fully speak on it. I can sympathize, I guess, but I, I can't like speak on it definitively, but I, I would think like at, at, on the biggest stage when you're representing your country, almost kind of sounds like she's embarrassed that she fell or something. Like, I, I don't know. It just kind of seems like you got to handle, handle it better. But at the same time, these are like young girls. I, I know Naomi Osaka is like the highest paid athlete, woman athlete of all time. And she's really? like 24. Yeah, dude. She passed Serena, which is insane. Um, wow. But like, and she got all this stuff, like all this pressure. She's been <laughs> under the, the microscope since she was like 15. So yeah. it's, it's like, I can't imagine being that big, that young, like the mental burden that's got to have is just insane. Yeah. It, it definitely takes a special person to deal with that. Um, but like you, I, I, I got a, I don't know. I, I was, I was raised in an era where this kind of thing wasn't in the like mainstream, right? You were, I don't know if shame's the right word, but maybe, you know, you were ashamed if you couldn't handle things mentally. But also that, I think that meant also that you like persevered forward through whatever you were going through. And like you said, man, if she's the best in the world and she obviously is, and she drops out, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, To me personally, uh, and like, who am I to comment on it? But because it is the Olympics and because it is the biggest stage and you're representing your country, (laughs) it seems as though, I don't know, like this should be something that you, you get through, you power through. And then afterwards, like, Hey, I was really going through it out there, like really going through it. And I don't want to make mistakes about my performance uh, but this was something that like really took a lot out of me to push through to me that's a way better example than like prioritizing your mental health in a competition you know it's like 
I guess. It's just, to me, it's, and it, 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 it's going to sound like an asshole, but it almost sounds a little bit selfish. No, yeah, no, it is. It's funny. It's so, it's funny that you say like the, the persevere thing. Like that's, that was like our coming up. Like that's, I don't remember mental health being like on the forefront, like it is now. And I say this and I don't want to offend anybody by saying this because like I said, I don't fully understand it. But to me, sometimes it almost feels like like an excuse or a cop out to some things. And I've, I've gotten a lot of flack from that personally with people I know kind of talking to them about it because I've been told the way that I like to approach problems, especially like when you have an obstacle in your life or you're upset about something or, or this or that. I'm like, well, what can we do to fix that? Mm-hmm. How do we solve that? And I think that comes from my mentality of always being in like team sports, especially like football my whole life. And it's like, fuck, we can't score. What are we going to do to score? Like, we're not going to sit here and feel sorry for ourselves because we can't move the ball or we can't stop. Like, what do we do to fix that? How do we, how do we win? And, and when I approach so many things, that's always how I think about it. And I'm, I'm being, I've told, been told by numerous people with mental health issues that like, sometimes you just need to feel it and you just need to like accept it and process it and work through it. And, and, Sometimes they like people just need me to like listen to them, and it's like I I get that I, I do, but it's like persevere in a way, yeah, yeah you know. Right. But that's so that, that's it, selfish of me to say because I don't understand what they're going through. True, I, I mean, I to me that seems like the more noble route. That that seems like the more like if you're wanting to set an example, if you're wanting to be a role model, I think right now we're being told to like prioritize the things that are going on with ourselves first and which is fine. But like you, I I don't like the, like just the term itself, mental health. I feel like it's really a like overarching thing that's used as a, and I know excuse isn't the right word, but, um, yeah, crutch maybe or something. Uh, you know, when somebody's like, "Oh yeah, their mental health isn't isn't good," and I'm like, well, "Okay, but what does that mean?" Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. "Oh, like they're not good mentally." Well, what does that like? What does that mean? Because it's so different for everybody. I mean, I, look, dude, I grew I grew up crazy bad anxiety, like super super bad anxiety, exposed to a, an incredible amount of traumatic shit as a child. It, it was always instilled in me that it's like. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter like what happened to you. It doesn't matter whose fault it is, right? It doesn't matter what it is that has happened to you, especially as a kid, like a kid, right? Like you didn't have control over it. So you don't get to play the victim, right? Like you don't have that option. What you have is the responsibility to recognize what's going on with yourself and then make it correct, make it right. And to, to approach hardships in that way. Um, and, and I mean, that, that, and, and involved in that is, is a lot of like very deep learning and a lot of like a lot of like really tough roads that you have to go down, you know, in order to find out what, what that is in order to uncover, you know, what it is that's, that's making you feel that way. But, but it was always, it was never like, you never had the option to quit because quitting wasn't like, it didn't help you. It, it, it forget everybody else that you're involved with. It doesn't help you. Um, and if you're if you're if you're stuck mentally, th- or you have like a mental health issue, whatever like whatever that entails, right? Um, I think more more in in today's culture, especially in America, we like to swaddle that and put it in a nice soft cloth and hold it and nurture it. And it's like, yeah, okay, but we're not children, you know, we're not kids. Um, and even if we are kids, you know, that's something that you wean your, your, you wean off of you. That's not part of every day. I, I think, you know, without discrediting people's struggles, uh, especially in the head, I, th- I think the, the, putting a hyper focus on it also indirectly causes us to be way softer. And maybe that's not a bad thing always, but I think overall, like it, it helps us 
collectively to all have a little bit of an edge. Yeah. And what I would say is like, there are probably definitely people out there with like full chemical imbalances in their brain and they wake up every day and they, they want to kill themselves or whatever. Like I'm sure I know there are people out there that feel that way. But I also think that there's probably a lot of people that like are probably all right. And just like, use that as like a crutch or, or like are told like, Oh yeah, this is wrong with you. You need to hop on this medication or, or whatever else. And, and like, it, it's, it, it just would, it blows my mind to like think that there's really that many people out there that like have that much trouble. And it, is it what I, well, the first thing I'd say is if you're someone that is listening to this and, and goes through that and experiences that, please come on, please talk to us, please explain this more to us. And like, let's talk about it. Cause I, I would love to learn more about it. This is just my, our opinion as we see it. What, what I wonder though, is I don't like yours even saying, even when we were growing up, I don't remember it being as much in the forefront, et cetera. Do you think it has anything to do with like our parents' generation, the generation before us when, when things like cocaine and like that was popular in, in like the eighties, um, do you think like anything like that has anything to do with like how brains could be developing today, like in our generation and, and like played a factor? Or do you think it is just kind of, uh, kind of just people, you know, I don't know even how to say it. it's not, not taking the easy way out or not using it as a crutch, but do you think it's just people that have these problems and now we're just like identifying it as a society and culture? Yeah, well, okay, so that's an interesting question, and I had a, a conversation on uh, uh, on Sunday with somebody who will remain anonymous, but they're they're a doctor, and this doctor was telling me that psych psychology is the softest science that exists, meaning, if I could put it in very broad terms there are very few truths that exist in psych that span universally, right? Like, like it goes, he was, he was breaking it down. And this person is 30 times smarter than I'll ever be, but he was breaking it down from like, you know, you have, uh, like physics grows out of chemistry or vice versa. And you're using those laws. And as you get down into the weeds, it gets a little less secure and a little less sure and a little less sure. And he said at the bottom in this surprised me, he said this, the second softest is biology. And then the, the softest science is psych because there is so it's so complicated. There's so many variables and there's so many different things that affect different people in different ways that there's really no, it's all pretty much hearsay. He mentioned Freud as being like this person who had brought psych from like a taboo subject to the mainstream and had, you know, some really, really good prevalent thoughts. But when he said that it kind of, it kind of bridged something together because it was an idea that I was thinking about. And I think you touched on it in your last statement, but Everybody likes to talk about it and they talk in very certain terms, right? You need to get your mental health in order. Or like if somebody's going through something, you need to go talk to somebody. Like, dude, I've been to therapy. Fuck therapy, bro. Like it helps to talk to a person that is a, that is a, uh, uh, a non-invested third party who's not going to say anything about any of the words that you're saying or judge you for them, but allow you to speak them out, right? Like that is a helpful process. But on the whole, I, I mean, the, there's so much that is involved in our brain. Our brains are like, dude, like the most complicated thing that ever exists. So it's impossible to like nail things down um, and say that it, it is a truism throughout all of humanity. And so when I think when people talk about mental health or they talk about anxiety or they talk about somebody else's mental health, we, we talk in these certain terms and we think that we know what is correct. Or we think we, we have a direction uh, of, of which we could help people and, and our, our intentions are clear, but I think that we're so misguided. And when, when I was talking to this doctor, it made so much sense. It's like, even the people who do this for a living and study this day in and day out, they only have a marginal understanding of how our brain works. 
And so I think that when we dive deep and we put a hyper focus on everything that causes us, uh, you know, great discomfort and, and, and pain in our, in our, in our hearts and our head and these things that we feel all the time. I think that we put a, a ton of focus on these things and like maybe sometimes that's good, but I think overall, I think it's detrimental to our longevity and our well being over the course of a lifetime because it doesn't, I don't know that we're strengthening anything. I think all we're doing is recognizing um, the things that ail us and then we want to feel better about that. And I don't know that we have an understanding of that. And, and I don't know that we have like an ability to really truly understand these things. So I think what the focus should be is like, you are going to go through trials and tribulations. As a matter of fact, your life will consist mostly of suffering in the way that you will suffer. The way that we get through that is we learn how to handle the suffering. Maybe not we learn how to eliminate the suffering or we learn how to make this not a part of, I think we need to embrace that as something that is inevitable. And then how do we strengthen ourselves, our inner core in order to, to weather the storm versus how do we put a hyper-focus on this, on the very specific things that ail us and then, you know, talk about it endlessly on the internet or, or, you know, uh, air our grievances over, you know, Twitter or whatever. Um, uh, so, so I don't, I don't know that it has, I, I don't know that it has much to do with our parents. Do you see, do you notice a trend in our generation of people like being very upset of how they were raised? Yeah, no, 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 for sure. For, I, I, I just wonder if like something like cocaine could affect, uh, when someone would reproduce, like, I, I could see how that drug would, f- would, could fuck with things and could fuck with, with people's heads, like the way it is and how it could create a new generation laden with anxiety and, in, in young children. Like I, I could see how a drug like that would, would, could have effects. I'm not a doctor. Yeah, for I'm sure. I'm just saying, I don't know. That I, might I be a bridge too it. far for me to like draw a straight line between like, like recreational drug use. And then how we were, I think, I think, Honestly, I, I think it's like our parents wanted the best for us and they were exposed to greater prosperity and growth than their parents and they were able to give us everything. I mean, our generation, millennial generation, I mean, really, truly, you could pick nitpick at things that we had to go through that were struggle, but man, we have been literally handed everything, including a lot of debt, but we've been handed a lot of, a lot in our lives. I mean, a lot of the stuff we didn't really have to quote unquote work for. I mean, shit, man. Like I think anybody who's our age, who's gotten a college degree at, at any, you know, state university knows that like, that's more, that's more or less just like a paid for piece of paper. We didn't, you know, we didn't do it a ton in order to, <laughs> excuse me, in order to make our way into the world. And I think that we feel, um, I think that we feel like very entitled to a lot of things because of the way that we were, you know, we, we were showered on by our parents and, and, and things like that. I think that more than their drug use has something to do with it. Plus, you know, I think we were the most like targeted generation in terms of like media advertisements. Um, I think we're still the biggest like advertising market that's out there. So we've also had like a lot of shit thrown our way too. Uh, Yeah. I definitely think that's for sure. True. Yeah. I also think um, that a lot of, a lot of kids when they were younger, um, we're put on medicine or different things, Adderall, mm. Ritalin, all this stuff mm. too early. And then that fucks up a, a growing brain. Oh yeah. Um, and how could it not? You know, yeah. Right. At least all kinds of things. So I, I think that's definitely true. It is. It's so interesting though, to think like, I don't, I can't think, and I mean, I was barely alive or whatever, but I've never really heard my parents talk about like, 
oh yeah, my, my dad had depression or anything like that. Like the only thing you hear about from that older generation is like, he went to war and he had mm -hmm. PTSD. Like he was fucked up from, from the war shit he experienced from trauma. I rarely feel, and, and it could just be my experience, but I feel like I rarely hear about depression and anxiety and all these things that are like so in the forefront today from, you know, the generation one or two before us. I think on one hand you have the, like the mindset of like being a, like a man or being strong, you know, like, like not giving in to that to that thing. I think there was a lot of shame involved in it too, right? Like it was, a, it was a shameful thing to, to have like a mental breakdown or whatever. Right. So there's that part of it. And then also, um, yeah, not for nothing. We were like way more religious back when our grandparents were growing up. And I think our parents were like one of the last generations to actually like follow in that footsteps where they were, you know, regular churchgoers or, you know, they, push their kids for, um, you know, going to church or going to, 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 to school at a, at a church or whatever. I, I do think that there's something to be said about having that, uh, institution in your life that makes it easier to deal with these sort of things. And it but could you want to talk anything, about right? a soft think, science, Frank, that's one of the softest sciences out there. <laughs> well, sure. But I, I don't think that you could argue with, the, the institution. I, yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Well, like with saying. anything, right? Like you, like we could sit here and talk about like, uh, Scientology, but the reason Scientology is so, um, successful and so effective on people is because it makes them audit their lives just like you would a Catholic with confession or whatever. Sure. You're constantly in touch with what you're doing. You're constantly in touch with sin. You're constantly in touch with the things that you're not supposed to be doing. I, I think there's something to be said about that, you know, manipulation aside. Um, but, you know, but, but having, having that makes those things a little bit easier to deal with. And, you know, you have like that, that, that faith aspect, right? Like you, you know, that what, you know, whatever you can, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure you heard it growing up, but you know, give it up to God. Are you going through something, give it up to God, let go and let God, there you go. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, you know, for better or worse, that's not part of our generation. I don't think we're going to raise our kids to be super religious and, um, take that at face value. But I, I do think that that leaves a certain void, a certain, uh, it, area in ourselves where when we are dealing with things that affect us greatly, affect us dearly, what do we have to fall back on besides ourselves, right? And I think that when you look at a situation like Simone Biles, and, and this really isn't to talk shit about her at all, but I think it's a very good example of like how we worship ourselves a whole lot more than we used to. And so now it becomes about our mental health or the things that we're going through. And that's the most important thing right now, because um, I need to focus on that and I'm bigger than the Olympics or the or gymnastics or whatever and fine. But I think previously we were able to, we were able to allow ourselves to be given up so that we were, we had something that we believed in that was much bigger than ourselves. And, you know, I don't know what fills that void. And I think that has a lot to do with this whole, you know, mental health discussion that we're having short of saying, Hey, knock it off, pussy. You know, like yeah. if you look, look deeper into it and you, I, th I think what you'll realize is that we have a big giant gaping hole in ourselves that we don't know where to put our faith. We put it in ourselves. We put it in, uh, politics or we put it in, you know, Democrats, Republicans or whatever. And these things are empty, hollow and corrupted because they're man-made and in, in, to begin with, and especially ourselves, right? Like we are corrupted beings. And so I don't know, man, I think in order for us to get over this hump and to, to really take on these, uh, these, these issues of our brain, um, I think it's going to require us to like surrender a little bit and then find something that we can put our faith in that's bigger than ourselves. I think when you have children and I don't have children, so I can't say this for a fact, but I think when you have children, I think that provides that sort of, uh, uh, strength and faith, right? Because you can, you can 
muster up the courage and overcome things because you're now responsible for human life. Yeah. That, that's kind of what I was, when you were kind of just describing all that, I was, the, the first thing that came into my head is family. Yeah. Whether you have kids or not, like you put that energy, you put that faith in, into the family or, or whatever. doesn't even have to be blood. The people that surround you, um, I feel, I feel like that's the, 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 the best way, your, your best use of that energy and that, and that, that faith, you know? Yeah, sure. But do you, do you, have you noticed a trend with kids in our generation? I certainly have who greatly resent the way that they were raised and they, and they believe that their current mental health issues or whatever have to do with their, like their parents or their upbringing or the way that they were raised. Like, do you, do you see that? Yep. Mm-hmm. I see a trend so big right now about people attributing what they're going through today based on how they were raised. And like, obviously that's true, right? Like you are who you are today because of where you've been. That that's, that's certainly not, um, uh, false at all, but I think it's weird. I don't know. I, I haven't thought this through completely, but I think that's weird. But don't, don't you think like generation before us, who had dads that fought in Vietnam, World War II, like dist a lot. Like you hear a lot of stories of like distant fathers or just mm-hmm. like mean assholes. Yes. I would think that that would, that's like the same thing. Like maybe people aren't whining about it quite as much as like, Oh, well my parents got divorced and I had a hard life, but like, <laughs> damn, like I, that, that'd be just as shitty almost. If you got a dad that like won't talk to you or isn't invested in you and, and just sits on the porch pissed off or whatever every night yeah no like like a drunk dad who comes home drunk and yeah i don't think we're the first generation with shitty parents is is all i'm saying yeah no i'm but i'm i'm talking more like yeah there's that aspect of it and like when you okay would you use that specific example i think like for sure there's no doubt especially with fathers i i don't i i don't know data or science behind it but like i'm willing to bet any amount of money that a large amount of issues that we have culturally today stem because of fatherless homes. Totally agree. Um, but I think what I'm going towards more is like you, you take like a millennial person aged 30 plus or minus five years. And, um, you take that person and by all accounts, their life is fantastic right? And you have some things to gripe about and you're not here. You're not there. You're not this, you're not that, but you're living, you got a job, you're, you've got a place to stay. You're well-fed, you drive a car, right? Like you're doing the thing in the freest country in the world. Yeah. Okay. Right. Exactly. But I, and I, and like, and, and, and then I look at that person and, and, and then I think when I see these these comments, I see it a lot on social media and, and, and I don't know if it's just been there. I haven't noticed it or I've noticed it more now, but, um, I just noticed like how they're like attributing all these things that they're going to with like their parents being strict or their parents making comments on like, um, you know, their weight maybe, or like their parents making comments on like how they do this and that, or like little, like little nitpicky things. And it like, I see that it affects them so greatly. And I don't know, maybe I've just found out a way to like manage that or whatever. I mean, we, nobody had perfect parents. Um, I don't know. I just see this phenomenon happening and I think it's a little bit weird and concerning to see all this, like blame and just like, Oh, you did like, you were so bad, this, that, and the other. And it's like, well, were they? Yeah. All right. Yeah. And at the end of the day, shit, you gotta, and this is just like my problem solving attitude to things, but like you gotta, if that's your case and like you had shitty parents, like that's fine. You need to like take that and learn from it, grow from it, change your future based on it. Like if you think you had a shitty dad for whatever reason, like, attack parenting or whatever that thing is in like attack if you, if you want if you feel like you can do it better like be a dad then and and do it well be there for your kid do all these different kind of things like if 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 that's the case you can't just sit there like oh woe is me my life sucks because of this like find a way to like fill that hole like fix that problem instead of just whining about it yeah that's how i yeah, feel no so doubt, man. exactly and I, and I think it comes back to what we were saying like you know it's not about what has happened to you. It's not about the fault, right? Like in any situation, 
it's never about whose fault it is. I, I think we like to, 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 you know, we like to find out who was at fault and then, and then like, that's it. Right. Shame. Hold shame, that person accountable. Shame, yeah. Shame. Throw the book at him, whatever. But that's not uh, like that only is half the story because it's, it doesn't matter whose fault it was because if, if it wasn't your fault, then it doesn't matter. What matters is how are you going to take responsibility for it? Because now it's your problem and it doesn't matter whose fault it is. It doesn't, and it's never going to matter. And especially if it, if you know whose fault it is, that person can't fix it for you. I mean, they can apologize and that can help or whatever if, if they've wronged you, but that, that person can't fix what ails you, even if they inflicted that damage on you. It's, all, it's, it's, it's you that it has to make that happen for yourself. I think that message is lost a little bit today. And um, there's a good story out about a couple of good Samaritans who have taken things into their own hands. Um, they're called the Colorado Ped Patrol, PED standing for pedophiles. And they busted a Pennsylvania police officer in an underage sex sting um, posing as children online. Uh, this police officer's name was Clifford Horn. Clifford Horn, Clifford Horn, Clifford Horn, Clifford Horn. Fuck Clifford Horn. He's a 54-year-old corporal for the Central Bucks Regional Police Department and... Uh, Pennsylvania. He was approached in Atlantic City, New Jersey, Sunday uh, by a man who runs this Colorado Ped Patrol. And uh, as he was going to meet him, he said, hey, we're just having a conversation. Um, and then he goes, your zipper's down, by the way. Uh, you're standing in front of a running car and we got your text messages. Listen, man, you want to talk and tell us why you're here. And this guy says, I'm not here to meet it with a child. I'm not here to meet with a child, says it re repeatedly. Um, and then he starts to walk away and th this guy urges him to take accountability for his actions. Um, apparently there were some cops waiting nearby and they arrested him. Um, and he was among four men who were charged with luring or enticing a child by various means following assistance from the public. How cool is that, man? A That's vigilante awesome. pedophile uh, group. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Like Chris Hansen, the shit out of him. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, these stories to me just fill me with so much hope for humanity because it's like, I've said it previously, I'll say it again. It's, uh, there's no more noble cause than, than protecting those who are most vulnerable. And, um, you know, like this guy, obviously, based on these text messages and screenshots, was trying to get a kid and have sex with a kid. That's, that's a hundred percent what he was trying to do. And a police officer, a part of your community, a public figure in the area where you live. And it sounds like they did it like the right way. You know, like they could have like met this dude in a dark alley and beat the shit out of him or killed him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But instead, like yeah. it sounds like they worked with local law enforcement and, did it like the right way, even though like you're dealing with a monster. So like, I can't, yeah, I can't. That's even like imagine. what happened in, uh, in the UK. Do you hear about this story about this mom in the UK? Mm. Um, she, she killed this pedophile. Her neighbor was a pedophile and he was like preying on her son. Um, and she stabbed the guy to death. Her name was Sarah Sands. She's 38 and she killed the 77 year old her name is Michael police did after she learned that he had abused uh, young boys, including her, her son. I, I can't even begin to, to think of the rage I would feel if I found that out about someone like my neighbor. If that guy, I can't say I wouldn't do the same thing, man. That's insane. That You just got to see red when you find something out like that. I would imagine. Dude, you have to, it was like we were watching this, uh, movie. You ever seen the billionaire boys club? No, I've eh, meant to, I never have seen it. Yeah. Kevin Spacey and I don't know who the other guys are, but it's like a, it's like a uh, movie about a pyramid scheme. But in the movie, this guy's trying to like sell this other guy. He's trying to make a point and he goes, um, do you think you're capable of murder? And the guy's like, no, he's like, never. He goes, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to kill anybody. And he goes, all right, well, what if you walk into a guy raping your mom? Would you kill him then? And he goes, well, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, probably, like, right? Like, I don't know. Like, you don't know what you would do in that situation. Mm -hmm. um, and as I'm reading through the story, it actually turns out that she was convicted in 2015 for this killing um, and just now revealed 
that her son was one of the victims. Oh. So that's interesting. So she was she was found guilty of manslaughter by reason of loss of control and only sentenced to three and a half years in prison. Um, I guess it was extended to seven and a half years and then, um, yeah. Golly, this guy had 24 convictions for sex offenses. Jesus. Sounds like she did the community a favor. Dude, you know what I'm saying? And that's such a fucked up thing to say because she killed somebody, but like, come on. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I, I will never sit here and like advocate for vigilante justice. I think the best way to go about these things is to go through the proper channels. But sometimes, sometimes you get a story like this and it just makes sense. And I can't like, who can, who can fault this person? Mm-hmm. Couldn't do it. Not me. Couldn't do it. I'd be willing to take the hit. I'd, I'd go to prison for that. I mean, if I found yeah. out somebody was touching my boy. Three and a half years or whatever. Like that's, yeah. that's a fair trade for someone to get someone off this earth that, you know, <laughs> yeah, abused 20 some kids. Fuck that. Speaking of vigilante justice, have you been hearing about, um, these churches that have been burning in, in Canada? No. Well, no, no. I heard about some stuff going on in Canada, but they're burning churches down. So, um, yesterday there was a, a Orthodox church burned to the ground in, uh, in British Columbia. And it is a concerning trend. In, uh, in Canada, there's been more than 15 fires that has either damaged or destroyed churches uh, just in the past uh, few weeks. Um, but in almost all the cases, there's no suspects and they can't offer an official motive um, to this wave of arson. But... Uh, if you have been watching the news, you could probably put two and two together, uh, and attribute it to people who are very angry with the discovery of, uh, these unmarked graves, um, at the, uh, the boys homes, right? What are these schools called? They're like kids, like boarding schools, right? They were born there. They have a name for them though. Um, residential schools. Um, so like, quick background on that. So there were these residential schools and back in like the early 1900s, Canada wanted to integrate natives into Canadian culture, which is hilarious. It should be the other way around, but that's what they wanted to do. And the reason they felt so inclined to do this is because admittedly they were not the most sophisticated of cultures. I mean, there was still, you know, very barbaric and savage practices going on in these, in these tribes. And so they wanted to take the next generation of kids and they wanted to, uh, either, um, assimilate them or indoctrinate them, whichever way you want to believe it into Canadian culture so that they could then live their lives as Canadians, as indigenous Canadians. Right. Um, so that was the intent. Uh, but over the last, and, and this is actually not a very new story, but it's, it's been, it's been kind of coming up lately because they found new ones. Um, but over the past, uh, months or so, um, they have found a bunch of unmarked graves underneath these residential schools. Um, it's important to note that there, there isn't like, like shut enclosed, cut and dry evidence towards like any sort of genocide. Um, I don't know if we'll ever know why these children died. It's in the hundreds of graves. It's in the thousands, found. man. Oh, it's in the thousands now. Wow. I mean, like, like over the numerous different sites. Yeah. Some in Saskatchewan, some in British Columbia. Um, and there was like 150 of these schools all over the country. Um, so yeah, I mean like, I, I think the first place that our mind would go, right. Would be like genocide, right. We would think that these people were like systematically killed for not, you know, doing what they were supposed to. Um, but yeah, I mean like 4,100 deaths, I think is the, is the official number. Um, either by accident or disease or whatever. Um, so like, even if it was all natural causes, I mean, these children weren't able to be buried by their families. Um, 
so like all in all pretty shitty um just like just terrible terrible things to have have discovered and, and to have have happened by you know uh, uh by or to indigenous people um but the response to that we're thinking is that um angry Canadians are going around and burning churches to the ground. The reason they're targeting churches is because the church, uh, the, the Catholic church is the one that ran most of these, um, residential schools in Canada. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, like a response to violence shouldn't ever be violence. Um, you know, uh, like I said previously, I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of, taking justice into your own hands, especially like this. I mean, to the extent that these individual churches are culpable is, you know, hearsay at this point. Um, Especially a hundred years removed. Yeah. Right. Uh, You know, and I'm sure that if you, it it wouldn't be a bridge too far to say that you're probably not going to see a ton of, admission from say the Catholic church or any other religious institution, right? Because if they can't really prove it, they're not going to admit to it. That's, you know, we can, we can reasonably come to that conclusion. Um, but this, this kind of stuff here, I mean, in any aspect for any reason, um, this to me is just making a, a really bad situation even worse. It doesn't help anybody. It, if your goal is justice, you're not going to find it here. Uh, if your goal is reconciliation, this is the last place to start. So Frank, I, I got to clarify one thing though. Yeah. When, when you're saying you're anti-vigilante justice, are, are you prepared to say here on the record that you are anti-Batman? Oh, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Who the fuck does he think he is? <laughs> You know, a rich fucking dude with a bunch of toys. Would you would you celebrate Batman if you found out he was Jeff Bezos? Yeah, right. That'd be very shocking. I'd be very very shocked. (laughs) Uh, Oh well, you know that I like to come uh, with the hardest of hitting news, Frank. And uh, I got one here that I I had to, to bring to your attention, to the attention of all our fans. I, I just want you to know that the residents of Fisher, Indiana, can now sleep peacefully tonight. This is in a burb, just like outside Indianapolis, just a little north of it. Uh, authorities say that they have cracked the case of a woman who has been pooping on neighborhood lawns during her early morning jogs through the town <laughs> of Fisher's, Indiana. Oh, 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 <laughs> Officers urge the unidentified woman to seek professional help, though she may still face charges especially if she continues to be such a crappy neighbor. <laughs> we call her the pooper. We have lots of names for her. Fisher resident Angie Kylie told the broadcaster. Last week or the week before, she did it in three or four different yards down the street, every other yard. Kylie added that the deuce-dropping delinquent also comes prepared to clean herself up afterwards, though she doesn't extend that courtesy to her neighbors. The toilet paper is the calling card, she said. We know when we see that she has been around. Neighbor Monique Miller added that the jogger leaves her discarded toilet paper behind with oh, her bowel God. movements. <laughs> we have found droppings in our yard, she said. She carries her own toilet paper and she just leaves the toilet paper behind with her droppings. Residents in the neighborhood of Windermere have put out no pooping signs in hopes of deterring the unwelcome turd dropper. They also spent several days trying to identify her on social media. One of the locals managed to capture footage of the fecal offender earlier this week on a doorbell cam, which ultimately led police to the culprit. Uh, authorities announced on Thursday that they have identified the woman, although no charges like have been pressed or anything. Like she, It sounds like they're just advising that she seeks help. Ah, a victimless crime. Now, funny enough, they added that she was the number two suspect in the case. <laughs> I don't know if that's a pun or the truth, but I like that was that made me laugh. Um, after at least one other individual was falsely accused by locals on social media. So could you imagine oh, if you're no. just like a local runner and like everyone's like, it's fucking him. He's shit on the lawns. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's like, what? No. Imagine no. having to defend yourself from not pooping on someone's lawn. <laughs> oh, but I'm here to un- unequivocally denounce these accusations that I am the pooper. <laughs> um, this identified, unidentified pooper is not the first jogger to drop trow and relieve herself along a running route. Colorado Springs grappled with a mad pooper who did this in 2017, while Toronto dealt with its own run-by dumper back in 2018. Uh, The phenomenon is commonly known as runner's trots, and it's thought to affect 20 to 50% of athletes during or after their exercise. The cause is unclear, but experts at the Mayo Clinic said there are ways to deal with it, such as drinking lots of water and limiting your intake of fiber, sugars, alcohols, caffeine, and milk products before a run. So I know you're a runner, Frank. I just, I want to warn you so that this doesn't happen to you. Man, that is something. It's like a kleptomaniac, but with poop. (laughs) I wonder if there's a word from that, like like a convulsive pooper. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, man. Like, I don't, I would be upset, obviously, if I found human poop on my lawn, right? Like, mm-hmm. but what would bug me more would would be not knowing why. <laughs> like, what I you do know? to you? What is your issue? Why? Like, I don't even care. Like, like, fine. Like, don't do it again. But like, why are you pooping on lawns? What is yeah. the, what is the motive? Like, what are you trying to prove? Ah, that's amazing. And the fact that you thought through it enough to bring toilet paper. Like you knew, like it was planned for sure. It wasn't like, oh shit, I got to poop. I guess I got to do it here. You know what it was, is she did it the first time without toilet paper and it became very uncomfortable because she was running. So she adapted. And so she got smart. This is no dummy. (laughs) Oh, Oh, I saw this headline. I was just like, oh my God, that has to be heard by the world. So A serial... (laughs) Pooper. <laughs> well, all this poop oh. talk uh, is going to make me end this episode, sir. Yeah. Well, one thing that can uh, help poop, just like the article said, is coffee. And drinking a good, smooth cup of coffee is a treat all by itself. Especially, you know, when you need to use the bathroom in the morning, it can definitely help that process. But when it helps that process and it also helps American heroes like veterans and first responders, it is that much better. Gun Barrel Coffee, our sponsor, is proud to donate $1 from every single item purchased to veterans and first responder charities all across our great country. From their medium blend, the Moab, their double dark, the battleship roast, their CBD infused, the medic, their partially dark, dark to medium dark blend, the Space Force, and uh, even now with their very own hot sauce called the Big Guns. All delicious, no acid or bitterness. It's, it's, it's the way to go when you're talking coffee. They offer 14 different blends and roasts, which you can get in whole bean, ground, or in single-serve pods. And right now, as a friend of our ship, you can use the promo code FNH10 and save 10% at checkout when you buy their products at GunBarrelCoffee.com. Gun Barrel Coffee. Damn good coffee. Damn good cause. Here, here. That's our show. Um, if you would like to talk about us to us about anything you heard today, um, you can reach us on a variety of socials. Uh, we are on Twitter at FriendshipNH. We are on Instagram at Friendship News Hour. Uh, same handle on TikTok at Friendship News Hour. And you can also send us an email at bummerdude.media at gmail.com. Uh, that is bummerdude.media at gmail.com and we will see you next time. Bye-bye.